Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to India Game Changer. Today should be a great one. Today we are joined by Sharman Ali, the founder and the CEO at InStoried. Sharman, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing, by the way? Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. I am doing wonderful as always. As always. How are you? I could not be better. I walked into the office today, so it's Songkran in Thailand. And I had completely forgotten about that because like you, I take off very little time and I literally just walked into the office. All the lights were off. It was dark. There was nobody here. The normal coffee machine was not even ready. So I went downstairs and bought myself a cup of coffee. But otherwise, I'm doing amazing. I want to talk to you about building stuff from scratch. But before we do that, I don't really know that much about you. I want to get some of your background for some context, if you don't mind. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, okay, so first and foremost, I'm an Indian. <laughs> Born Not shocking. Brought up in... <laughs> you know what? Not too many people know this about me. I am half Indian, one-fourth Iranian and one-fourth French, by the way, as in from my parents' side. Uh, but then, yes, I think Indian side is the more dominant one. So, yes, born and brought up in India. Studied engineering, <laughs> although I don't take too much pride in saying that because I've never really done anything close to what I've studied. Then um, started my career back in 2010 in the US, actually, um, you know, because got a job there in the management consulting decision sciences space, um, you know, analytics as they call it, worked on the Wall Street for about four and a half to five years. Okay. Uh, worked number of fortune companies and then I realized that I was just helping the rich get richer wasn't adding too much value to my own life so I decided to quit came back to India to you know follow my passion and I've always wanted to start something of my own so that's when this entrepreneurial journey began and my first company essentially was in the media space the plan was to build uh, India's very own Netflix um, and this was back in 2016, you know. Why does everybody want to be in the movie business? <laughs> I think it's very attractive. <laughs> yeah, so? yeah. Showbiz. Oh, yes, of course it is. And and also because, you know, when it's videos, right? So yeah. uh, because there's audio and, and video both. Um, so it's way more um, interactive and, you know, way more intuitive, much, much easier to connect with people. So, yes, I think videos definitely are, are, um, are, are the best possible way to connect with people, which is an irony because I'm in the tech space. <laughs> I was going to say, and I'm yeah. audio based, right? So we're, we can see each other now. Oh, wow. And <laughs> yes, almost everything I do is audio. I find audio to be really intimate, right? Because when you're listening to... When you're watching a video, you have to be paying attention. I have to be able to look at you, right? And like you said, video can be super interactive, but I also feel like some people are not appropriate for video because they don't know how to behave in front of a camera, right? There's a lot of this kind of stuff. Oh, a lot absolutely. of this kind of stuff. Notice I'm not saying what I'm doing because nobody can see me, right? But there's an intimacy in the imagination behind audio. Mm. audio I think yes. it's the same thing for the writing. And I want to get to that in a second. Right, but I think that there's something really intimate about looking at something, reading it, and trying to figure out what it means and why it has meaning. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it can have multiple meanings, but then um, the tone and the emotion behind that, and, you know, that's where we also come from. The tone and the emotion behind that is, is basically what sets the perspective and, you know, things with, with, the, with the reader. So absolutely, I think, you know, writing and audio, they're very, very intimate. 
uh, but again, depends on you know how the person perceives it. So this perception, though, really gets to the heart of, I think, what in story does, if I understand this at all. What is it Absolutely. about, and, and again, just help me here, right? But what is it about writing with empathy or writing with caring or just being empathetic at all that makes mm -hmm. such a big difference that then at the end of the day, it drives more engagement, Right. Just talk to me about this empathy thing first. Right. And, and do you consider yourself an empathetic person? Like, where does this come from? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yes, you know, absolutely. I think you're, you're bang on right that you cannot be running a company or doing anything which is based on empathy and listen until you don't feel and connect with people the same way. Right. Um, so, yes, absolutely, I am very empathetic, but I think more than humans, I am a huge animal lover. I'm, I'm, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, but I think I'm the most empathetic towards animals. Um, you know, I have a dog and two cats at home. So I think my biggest love are, are animals any day. Um, so very, very empathetic towards them. But also, you know, um, the thing is that if you look at evolution as such, right, um, Evolution has wired us human beings to be more emotional than logical, right? I mean, all of our decision-making is driven by emotions and not by logic. So we, we human beings are emotional people. So when you talk about emotions, there is definitely and you know, some level of empathy quotient attached with it. Um, and especially in times of crisis, like the last two years, yeah. um, you know, I think uh, needless to say that the only way to connect with people is to be more empathetic and, you know, kind. So um, when it comes to my company, I think uh, timing really worked amazingly well. Uh, we were able to, you know, um, spot the opportunity in this adversity. Um, and that's when things happen, which, because the world needs to be a much more empathetic place. And, you know, people need to connect uh, better, more empathetically with each other in order to resonate well with their audiences. And that is what we are exactly cashing on. So we've built a tool around that. Yeah, yeah but you're, you're, you're building into a few different things at the same time, right? There's an idea, and again, tell me where I'm wrong here, that writing as a thing is still important, whether it's in the digital format or in the physical format, that that's still important. So that's one decision. The other decision is that you can impact writing using artificial intelligence and machine learning and understand what's embedded inside the writing by analyzing that writing before it gets sent out to people. And another part of this, notice I didn't say the last part, is that, that if you write in a particular way, that then you can change the way the reader actually feels about the thing that they're writing. How did all these stuff come together for you, right? Because I believe really strongly as an entrepreneur myself that like, there's no such thing as an epiphany. You don't just wake up one day, shake your head out, have a cup of coffee and go, okay, I'm going to build a company that does writing that's empathetic because I think that that matters and I'm going to use artificial intelligence. How does all this stuff get developed over time in your mind? Yeah. Right. So, you know, uh, lots of things, lots of things. So uh, when I was in the U S and, you know, I was, I was working with these fortune 100 companies, yep. I had a bunch of experiences dealing with clients and you know I mean of course a lot of learnings in uh, in, in in those years um, but then I think the biggest thing that occurred to me was when I went to Harvard to you know study about neuromarketing 
because neuromarketing was something that was always very very exciting to me i mean i had been reading a lot i'm a voracious reader so that's when i found out things that you know all the conventional forms of marketing are now long dead and gone um if you have to be able to connect with people you have to hit them you know exactly where it needs to be hit and that is that you know because we are emotional beings you have to connect with them at an emotional level so what i did was that i went to harvard to you know study about neuromarketing to understand this a little better so i ended up talking to i think almost 500 plus neuromarketers and neuroscientists as they prefer calling themselves <laughs> um you know and and those wonderful phd people they you know put all these nodes into my brain and that i was the lab rat basically and that's when i ended up understanding that how our brain reacts to situations you know and the best uh, responses happen when you know it is when there is an emotional situation and that's when we figured that all of the decision making you know from from a customer standpoint is actually determined by the set of emotions that we human beings connect the most with and turns out after years and years of their experimenting with you know a bunch of lab rats like myself <laughs> they figured that okay um, there are five main emotions that we human beings connect the most with and the number one being fomo you know fear of missing out so anything to do with fear or 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 an alarming situation is what we connect the most with so fear anger joy sadness and surprise these are the five main emotions that we human beings are able to connect the most with so we figured that okay these five emotions is what any marketer also needs in order to be able to you know sell their product better so that was the starting point and of course other than that there are three main uh, you know tones or opinions as one might call it which you know any marketer would want to set when it comes to you know setting an opinion so positive negative or neutral any writer would have one of these tones so uh, that is where the whole thing actually occurred to me that okay um, right now all of the content generation activity that is happening globally it's a very manual very intuition driven there is no such tech driven approach which can essentially help you gauge what is the you know tone or the emotion of your content looking like so the whole idea was to help people make their content generation activity their process much more intuitive uh, you know much more productive using a very um, as they call it data driven scalable and repeatable approach right. using technology so that's exactly where it occurred that okay you know enough of doing this manually we need to get technological assistance what's the balance between do you know what i mean because we could take a machine and give it a paintbrush right and then tell it to sort of recreate monet like a thousand a million times right and then give it an idea how to machine learning then how to create its own stuff but what's the balance between doing something with artificial intelligence and machine learning and an inspired person actually writing great stuff right because it's got to be somewhere in the middle no like i believe technology augments people doesn't replace them or supplements them what's the mm-hmm. balance there from an in-storied perspective about how this gets used does that make sense so you know first of all this is a great question because this is something that i am i am often asked by a lot of people that are you trying to replace a copywriter no, i tell that's not what i asked that's not what i asked cuz i don't think that's possible right i want to know how yeah. it augments yeah right how it augments exactly 
so you know uh, there are a few things that uh, one needs to look at so um, how did we even come to this conclusion that technology can actually assist or you know augment the entire content uh, generation exercise so first of all what we did is that you know we conducted interviews globally in you know every possible country uh, at least at least the known countries uh, with with over 1000 plus you know content marketers and you know content writers content creators to basically understand what are the challenges that they face you know 90% of them said that their biggest challenge was when they talk about editing you know editing is 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 their biggest challenge uh when you talk about content writing writing isn't really that big a challenge because they tend to you know do a lot of research before right. they create the content or you know most of these guys with with an mfil in literature they are the ones who get the most offended when you talk about technology assisting them you know with with content generation which is which is fine i understand because their entire life has been surrounded about content so when you tell them that assisting you with with content creation they're like what are you saying really are you kidding me i'm like no so the entire exercise here is about making the entire content generation process more productive how do you get the whole editing cycle to you know uh, uh, to help you save time and how do you get because also the thing is that what most of them said is that you know when they write they tend to go haywire you know they don't know how to stick to a certain number of words and what occurs to them during editing and you know most of their bosses are like dude you have to create 500 words right. but look you've gone to 800 now how do you know that which 300 words to you know actually cut and then um, you might actually end up losing the essence sure. of the entire content generation activity so these are some of their biggest challenges so we thought that what if technology could replace that you know um so editing is where the biggest assistance is required in order to make the whole process more productive more efficient and help them save time that is the assistance that in story it is trying to bring in got it so let's say i'm a content creator and let's make it the simplest example i find in storied i really just want to run through back to front process so i can understand exactly how it works right what do i have to give it what do i do when it's working on stuff and like what's the output that i get and do you know what i mean like how does it work front to back mhm right so very who's going to use it who's going to use it as well right i think i should answer that first who's going to use it and you know then then how it works so um basically anyone who is creating content you know when i say content it can be you know something as basic as a blog or maybe an instagram caption you know because now everyone's going instagram all of the marketing is now short form uh, so you know be it an an instagram caption or a twitter post or you know i mean a facebook post anything to do about you know content creation or it can even be a love letter for that matter <laughs> you know i mean gone are those days yes no not <laughs> but, not really but anyway go ahead now it's the tinless window world <laughs> so God, that's yeah. so terrible but no go ahead please <laughs> so you know anything to do about content uh, any kind of content essentially and and the way we are going to we are also looking at even chats you know as in be it whatsapp chats or you know be it smss anything to do with let's say people working at a bpo wherein you know they have to chat uh, i mean text based chatting with you know their customers uh, so any kind of chat 
So um, what we are trying to look at is basically how do you get the whole chatting experience, the whole connecting with your customer, that experience, you know, much more seamless, wherein you're able to gauge what is the emotion that your customer is experiencing. And that's what you capitalize on and then get recommendations around that. So that was the whole idea that, you know, if, if I am this, this chat person at, at let's say, Swiggy and, right. you know, there is, there is this person who hasn't got their food in time and he or she is going insane. So, you know, if, if there was a back-end technology which could tell you that, dude, you know what, the person's losing it. So instead of, um, you know, just, just explaining it to them, why is it taking so long, it would be nice if, if you could use a certain few words which could, you know, help them calm down, tone down a little bit. So those recommendations, again, to, you know, basically help you make those judgments sooner. These are broadly the, the use cases that I'm explaining. So, you know, that is the whole idea. Now, how does it work to answer that? What we've done is that now any, anything to do with technology, right? Uh, there has to be a user interface, of course, right? So there are multiple ways of, you know, bringing that user interface in order for anyone to use it, to, you know, enable the whole usage. So uh, what we did initially was that, you know, we built a web app. So you just log on to, you know, app.instory.com. And using that, what will happen is that, you know, you would uh, get to a login page wherein just how you log into your Facebook, you would just log into the app, simple. And as soon as you log in, you know, you would get the editor window. Wherein what you can do is that you, you would just start writing content, just how you write on any platform. You know, it, it is as simple as writing on your text window, SMS or WhatsApp window. Yep. So as soon as you start writing, the tool would dynamically start throwing these responses. Now, when I use the word dynamic, what I mean to say is that you don't have to wait for your content to be, you know, completed and then click a few buttons for it to analyze that because that would be a static window. What happens here is that as soon as you start writing, you would see on, on the right-hand side of your window that, okay, there is some activity happening and then a few numbers are popping up. So that is because the whole computation, it's, you know, dynamically going on as you're creating content. It'll throw those numbers that, okay, you know what? These are your tones. These are your emotions. You can you can play around. And, you know, as, as you want to see the recommendation that, okay, which are the words which are exuding those tones and those emotions, all of that. It's a very intuitive, uh, you know, very, very interactive window wherein you can be playing around. Uh, and, and those are the responses. Basically, when I say responses, it will tell you what's the tone, what's the emotion, uh, if your content is original or, you know, has it been plagiarized. Uh, you know, how, how is your caption looking like? Uh, what kind of words do you need to use in order to make your caption much more interactive? So, you know, a lot of these things, of course, lots of those features. Um, so that is, that is one way in which you can use that. Other than that, now we are launching a Chrome extension wherein, you know, um, any platform that you might be using, I mean, be it your Microsoft Word or, you know, I mean, your Google Doc or your WordPress, any other CMS that you have, just download the Chrome extension and, you know, on the right-hand side, you would start seeing those pop-ups. Uh, so that is how it would be enabled there. Really interesting. So in a way, it almost works like Grammarly works for just writing in grammar, right, and word recommendations. Yeah. Is there a way to... 
I mean, if it's doing this dynamically, if it's doing it in real time, it requires a whole bunch of compute. I presume it's happening on the cloud it, and not locally, which makes it even more interesting. Are exactly. there use cases for this in chatbots as well? So I type something in, the chatbot needs to respond, but I want it to respond to me in a way that's not like, hey, Michael, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard in my whole life. But it says <laughs> something a lot nicer than that. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So we haven't reached that stage yet. Uh, you know, because first of all, AI is no magic. It is all artificial, you know. <laughs> you know, most people forget that. And they're like, okay, oh my God, can it do this? Can it do that? Can it throw these responses in real time? Yes, it can. But it needs a lot of training in the back end. Right. Uh, so we still haven't gone to you know, the whole chatbot space. Uh, that's exactly where I was talking about the whole Swiggy use case. Yep. But that's where we intend to get to it. You know, how do you get those responses in real time? And when I say responses, I mean, they have to be meaningful. They have to make sense, right? right? It shouldn't be like, you know what, Michael, this is such a dumb question. Like you said, uh, it, 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 it has to understand why you're asking this and give you contextual responses. Right. So, so far done is that all of the responses that we give they have been trained from a marketing standpoint. So yes, the tool is smart enough to you know, understand the context in which you have written a certain piece of content and it gives you recommendations accordingly. You know, it, will, it will not change the context. That has been possible because we've used about 30 million plus data points in the back end to you know, train the tool. But for, for us to get to a chatbot space, we will probably need like 100 million data points, you know, wherein the data would, would essentially be like chat-based data, short form content that, hey, hi, John, what's up? Hi, this, you know, I mean, this is what I'm doing. Do, do you think it's making sense? You know, as in like those those one word responses and things like that. So the end that would go in in the back end would be much different. Uh, but yes, we eventually want to get there, uh, you know, wherein daily chats that you have on WhatsApp or on any messaging platform, they become seamless when it comes to, you know, a tool responding to you. Yeah. And when I think about sort of voice recognition, I think about a company, I had a conversation with Ravi Sarogi about a year and a half ago, who runs a company called Unifor. And what they do using similar methodology is they want to give scripting and stuff like that in real time for like customer service agents to be able to talk to people in combination with a tool like InStoried which in real time, at some point, with compute, again, increasing exponentially, and with access to cloud, right, so the throughput to the cloud, just getting so much higher and so much faster, being able to then mm -hmm. change the tone of those responses in real time, I think would be super cool. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting application of this. And again, I want to test and see how this works, right? I talk a lot, and I listen to people talk, and it would be neat to have my own thoughts be able to transfer into a more empathetic tone, although I do feel like, if I do say so myself, I'm pretty empathetic. Um, do you score this stuff in real time? In other words, is there a score happening in the background when you're taking these 30 million or 100 million data points that you have, and the more times you do this, the more data you get, are you constantly scoring and then iterating how it generates what that content should look like? Oh, absolutely. This is all happening in real time, you know. So now the system has gone into that auto-learning mode, you know, wherein more the content that it encounters, the better it becomes, you know, because, because it's auto-learning. So it knows that, okay. So basically it is it is comparing any content that it gets with the content that it has been trained on. Right. Right. So right. it knows that 
this is what is positive, this is what is negative, this is what is neutral. And then accordingly, it starts compartmentalizing the content that it receives that, okay, you know what, this is what positive looks like. So yes, now you have to go into this bucket. You know, so I mean, I'm just talking like simple layman terms, something like that is what is going on at the back end. So it's now gone into that auto learning mode. And of course, we have a bunch of data scientists in house who are, you know, continuously doing all of the quality checks to ensure that, you know, yes, the tool runs again, validating the fact that only AI is not enough. There is always some human intervention required. How, yeah. how big is the in-storied team overall? Right now we have 40 people. Okay. Soon to be 70. Yeah. By by this year, we should be at least 70 plus. Yeah. So you've you've raised a decent amount of money. You did a series A, what, that was ten million dollars announced? Do yeah. I have that right? Yes, correct. What was the basis of that raise? Was it something that you've been thinking about for a while, or were you approached in reverse by investors who saw what you were doing, if that makes sense? Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, absolutely does. So uh, both, actually, um, you know, because even I was looking at raising money because these techies are super expensive, I tell you. <laughs> They're just so bloody expensive. And, you know, also because we were looking at expanding in the US market. So, you know, we, we, we needed a, a couple of million dollars yeah. to, you know, invest into marketing. Um, so yes, of course. And, and also because we were planning to go the B2C route initially, we were only B2B. So B2C, it means that you need to spend money, right? Yeah, Marketing. Yes. So, um, both actually, you know, there were a bunch of investors who were chasing us and, you know, we were also looking at raising money. So actually it so happened that, you know, um, unlike a lot of other people, our series A raise was, uh, much easier, you know, the, the the first investor that we spoke with in just three rounds of conversations, uh, you know, we got the term sheet. So I did not go reach out to many more. But then um, things fell in place, worked out. Yeah, great. <laughs> what does expansion to the U.S. look like to you? And, you know, I have this theory that I do say a lot and, you know, nobody succeeds alone, right? So you can't just like drop your own people there like what does a great partnership look like to you in the united states and also are there challenges specifically for a company coming out of india which mm -hmm. is a completely different market which in and of itself is so dynamic right but also you know if you go 100 miles or 200 miles away from where you are in india you have different language different culture different food and stuff like that right but now if you go 12,000 miles away to the u.s like how do you manage all of those differences in culture and stuff when you look for great partnerships in a completely different market right so yes you know you are you're absolutely right lots of challenges especially for a company which is in the deep tech space you know coming out of india because mm -hmm. uh, very very different markets indians don't want to pay and you know americans have a lot of money but they don't know how to spend it <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know it's, it's a different ball game altogether so um we have thought of all of these things and you know what we've learned the hard way is that uh, partnerships you know you 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 need to get those references those partners who will help you expand into a completely different geography you know people who understand that space and um, having the right set of advisors, the right connections yep. who can, you know, help you uh, basically sell. Uh, so I don't have any intentions of building a tech team in the U.S., you know, because I strongly believe that India has the best tech talent. 
So, I, you know, yeah, I mean, most sure. of them have have some sort of a brain drain and I've moved to the US. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, India any day has the best tech talent. Uh, so tech team will always remain in India. But having said that, I think Americans are the best when it comes to sell. You know, I mean, selling is, I think, a top priority for any startup at our stage. And uh, so what we are doing is that we are building a phenomenal sales team in the U.S., using the advisory people that, that we have. Uh, you know, now, now we have two incredible CXOs of two incredible unicorn companies, you know, who have joined us uh, on, on, our, on our advisory board. So you know, they are the ones who are essentially helping us set up the whole sales team because they, they really understand how, you know, as in how it works in the U.S. market and, you know, how to get those sales guys. Um, so I think partnerships is is definitely number one, you yep. know, because any company will have incredible tech, but their biggest challenge will be to, you know, how to sell better. And um, for, for me, I strongly believe that, you know, um, you need to be able to raise money continuously in order to, you know, support and get more resources on board uh, because, it's, it's, it's either the funding money or it is a continuous influx of sales. Now, for someone in the deep tech SaaS space, uh, continuous influx of money through sales is quite there's a challenge the, because... It, yeah, the, there's a mismatch in timing, particularly for a SaaS company in early stage revenues, right? Revenues are three to five years out generally. Absolutely. So, you know, you need to spend a lot on marketing. So how do you spend that money that that money has to come through investment? So, you know, for all of these reasons, I think U.S. is the biggest market and getting the smartest salespeople who can really connect emotionally with, with your customers and go like bang, bang, bang that, OK, this is it done. Uh, talk to 100 people, close at least 20, get 10 to, you know, pay money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what I think Americans are very good at doing. So, yeah, I understand. Can you talk to me a little bit about the global emerging markets announcement that was made recently? I'm just trying to understand the details here. Why make an announcement about a specific amount of money for a share subscription facility that's going to happen at some point? I mean, even it's post IPO money, right? So does that money, do they give you money today? How does that work? I just don't understand this. So yes, of course, it is. It is a capital commitment and not an investment. Uh, you know. So when I say capital commitment, basically what what it means is that so we plan to go public in the next, you know, as in like two to three years. Um, so when we go public, the thing is that you know they would be at at the valuation decided at that point in time by right. by these bankers and stuff gem would be essentially uh, you know liable to give us that sum of money at the valuation decided which which basically means that you know if we go the SPAC route let's say uh, you know so the company that would be acquiring us which would essentially be then you know going IPO right would uh, pull in 200 million to buy stakes of the existing investors at the valuation decided by that target company. So it's 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 basically a commitment for the future that yeah. you know so so we know that no matter what happens, they cannot back out. You know, they would be putting in that 200 million, which which I think is a great thing and it definitely deserved an announcement. Because when you say this, uh, then raising money in the future, getting more investors to you know trust you because because there is 
this one massive uh, a VC, which is which is which is committed a good amount of money. Yep. So you know there is that whole trust factor that 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 comes in, you know, because they have a good name in in, in the market. It becomes much smoother. I got it. What's the benefit of going this backwards? So SPAC for people that don't know, a special purpose acquisition company. So it's not like in story itself is IPOing per se. It's merging into almost like a shell company that's already listed and then getting acquired by that, but then kind of taking that company over. What's the benefit to a company like InStoried to do a SPAC as opposed to just doing an initial public offering? So, you know, I mean, the most basic thing, and IPO is a lot of pain in my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you and everybody else. But yeah, I get it. I worked on an equity desk, so I completely understand this. Go ahead. no, IPO is a is a is a lot of pain. Uh, SPAC, on the other hand, um, first of all, yes. Now, now it's been um, you know quite. Uh, it's 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 doing well in the US. There are different ways of looking at it. Different people have different opinions. Uh, but but you know the the general thing has been like uh, a lot of people have been choosing to go the SPAC route in the US. It's not really a very well known term in India. People don't understand this in India. Right. India is still more more traditional. And, and they want to go the IPO way. But but in the US, PAC has been a big thing and you know, a, a, a lot preferred when it comes to a number of VCs. Uh, and when, when someone has given you a commitment worth a 200 million, it definitely makes sense because you know, then there is a sure shot commitment, right? Because you have signed the agreement. So now they cannot back out, which, which basically gives the existing investors and the you know future in- incoming investors a lot of confidence got it so when we got this offer when we got this opportunity i was like why not <laughs> you know why <laughs> am i stupid no uh, so you know definitely yes you know plus i've always wanted to go public so i was like this is once in a lifetime opportunity and 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 these guys are phenomenal to work with very very you know entrepreneur friendly uh, so I was like, okay, why not? The ball is in my court. I will definitely take it. I'll definitely take it. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And it was really great to talk to you. I really want to thank you, Sharman Ali, the founder and CEO of Story. That was really interesting. Cannot thank you enough for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was amazing, Mike. I enjoyed talking to you.